0: So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting Bluehost.com. That's Bluehost.com.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Deller. Ben
2: Gardley, Johnny. Amercon Northern
1: Trust.
3: Oh, hiya, Ben. What do you hear from Wall Street? save your money. What money?
2: The money I'm going to pay you for this case. I've got a crazy one,
3: Johnny. So naturally you thought of me. <laughs> Nothing personal. Look, it's a, it's a trust setup.
2: Cumulative endowment insurance rider. Big deal. Over a quarter million bucks, maybe half
3: a million. From home to whom? From a Mrs. Ezra Gramley widow to her granddaughter, Susan. So? And Mrs. Gramley owns the Flint Rock ranch in Nevada. Never heard of it. Our representative out there is Jonas Parks. He's the president of the Flint Rock First National Bank. Never heard of it? <laughs> it's a whistle stop about 20 miles from Las Vegas. That I've heard of. Parks started the deal rolling and then he got cold feet, and now
2: he's yelling for help. Thinks the old lady may be crazy. I mean, literally. And there does seem to be a reasonable doubt.
3: Unless Parks himself is crazy.
2: Well, that's also a possibility, Johnny.
1: Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance
3: investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the home office, Amicon Northern Trust Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the matter of reasonable doubt. (laughs) Item one, $154.40, transportation and incidentals, Hartford to Las Vegas, Nevada, where I checked into a hotel and then phoned the local office of a national business and credit rating bureau that my client retained on a permanent consulting basis. I asked for a rundown of Jonas Parks and got it an A-1 set of references. Parks had been a resident of Nevada for 32 years and president of the Flint Rock Bank for 17. He was regarded locally as a cautious investor, a prudent financial advisor, scrupulously honest, and as sound as a dollar. A silver dollar. Crazy? <laughs> Hardly. <laughs> Item two, $32.50. Deposit and first day's rental on a drive-it-yourself hired car. Mileage, Las Vegas to Flint Rock, 23.6. Itemized building appraisal, Flint Rock. Three bar casinos, all needing paint. One restaurant, one general store, barber shop, garage, welding shop, railroad depot, also needing paint. Four dwellings, and of course, one bank. Jonas Parks, president. Uh, what can I do for you, young fellow? Well, my name is Dollar, Mr. Parks, Johnny Dollar. I'm a special investigator for Amercon, and I'm here in regard to the Grimley Trust case. Oh, yes. Well, I'm mighty glad to know you, Mr. Dollar. And I don't mind telling you I'm glad you got here. Oh? Here, pull up a chair. Okay, thanks. Sit down. <laughs> it's been a real odd day. Funny-looking clouds hanging off there toward the river. Yeah, I noticed them driving out from town. Storm clouds, that's what they are. This time of year? Son, in this neck of the woods, it can happen any time of the year. Cloudbursts come up just like that, and they're over just as fast. Uh Uh-huh, that's very interesting. You're a hypocrite, young fellow. What makes you think so? You didn't come clear across the country to hear a dissertation on Desert storms, so stop sitting there trying to pretend you're interested. (laughs) Whatever you say, Mr. Parks. Matter of fact, you weren't even half listening to me. No, as a matter of fact, I wasn't. Well, what were you doing then? Looking you over, sizing you up. Come to any conclusions? A couple. Such as? Well, in the first place, I'm inclined to discard the theory that you're crazy. That what they told you in Hartford? Well, they figure one of you is, either you or Mrs. Grimley. They do, eh? And what is your second conclusion? (laughs) That you were sitting there sizing me up. You're right. I was. Come to any conclusions, Mr. Parks? Yeah. One? Such as? That we'll probably get along together all right, you and me. Good, good. Then suppose we get down. The Gramley case. No wonder they thought what they did. Maybe they're right. Maybe we are crazy, both of us. Well, as I understand it, Mrs. Gramley wanted to set up some kind of insured trust for her granddaughter. You started the proceedings for her and then stopped cold and called for help. Yes, that's about what happened. Why? Was she financially unable to carry out the. Of course she's able. I wouldn't need any outside help if that was the problem. She's been banking with me for mighty near 20 years. Then is she mentally incompetent? Sarah Gramley is as sane as his well, at least I've always figured she was. But confound it, Mr. Dollar, there's something wrong out at that ranch. Oh, what do you mean? I don't know what I mean. Well, if you don't... I mean, it's mostly things you can't put your finger on. Little things that add up, finally. Add up to what? I don't know. It's just a feeling, a kind of a... A hunch? Is that what you mean? Yes, if you want to put it that way. So I brought you clear out here from Hartford on a hunch. Go ahead, say it. Relax, Mr. Parks, relax. I've had hunches of my own. And sometimes a horse is one. But I don't even know why. I think something is wrong. All right, what's the setup out there at the ranch? What's the background? Mrs. Gramley is a widow. Her husband died about 14 years ago, and she stayed on afterward and ran the ranch. Of course, her son Ed and his wife were there with her until three years ago and done most of the work. And they moved out three years ago? no. They were killed in an automobile accident. This girl, Susan, that Mrs. Gramley wanted to set up the trust for, is their daughter. She's going on 17 now. Then the two of them live there alone. No, no, there's another couple. Walter Gramley and his wife, Hilda. Walter's Mrs. Gramley's nephew. Sort of manages the ranch. Does a pretty good job of it, too. Mm -hmm. Then that's the whole family. Mrs. Gramley, her nephew, Walter, and his wife, and her granddaughter, Susan. That's the family, for better or worse. Uh, Mr. Parks... Do you even have any idea as to what might be wrong? Not the slightest. You're on your own, son. How did this trust business start? How did it come about? Miss Gramley came into town one day about two months ago and sprung it on me out of a blue sky. First time she'd been in town nearly a year. Did she say why she wanted to set up the trust? No. She said it was nobody's business but her own. She's changed a lot in the last year. She's not herself anymore. And the trust was intended in its entirety for her granddaughter, Susan. That's right. Within the next three years, she wanted the whole estate transferred to the girl. Did Susan know about it? According to Mrs. Gramley, nobody knew about it, and she didn't want anybody to know. All right, then. You started the ball rolling, and then you stopped it. Her nephew, Walter, came in to see me last week. He knew something was up, and there was no use trying to lie to him. When I told him what she was doing, he said that she would never go through with it. So? Oh, I went out to the ranch to see her, laid all the cards on the table. I told her what Walter said. Oh, what was her reaction? She said maybe he was right. Maybe she wouldn't go through with it. Then she started rambling, not even making sense, talking about the auto accident and her son's death. But before I left, she told me again that I should keep pushing the trust, get it set up. So you called for help. I called for help. Well, I guess I'd better go talk to the lady. That's not going to be so easy. Why not? Walter won't let a stranger on the place. You mean he's holding her captive? No. No, I think he believes she's losing her mind. He's trying to keep it quiet. And what do you believe, Mr. Parks? I don't know. Well, maybe we can find out. I hope so. Just one thing, though. Be careful. Of what? I don't know. Jonas Parks had one other suggestion. That I pretend to be a special investigator for the Cattlemen's Association. I agreed to try it. Four miles from Flint Rock, the narrow ranch road left the plateau and began climbing up through the broken bluff country. A mile and a half from the ranch house, I pulled out the choke, flooded the engine, and let the car cough to a stop, the old out-of-gas gimmick. And about ten minutes later, I was wishing I thought of some other plan. When Park said cloudburst, he wasn't exaggerating. The rain came down in sheets. In 60 seconds, I was soaked through. And in another two minutes, the dry ground was a muddy bog. I kept on walking or trying to walk, and the footing got worse. By then, I'd had it, or at least I thought I had. I hit the mud, rolled into a pile of boulders, and pulled my gun. A man was riding slowly toward me on a horse, holding a rifle over his arm. I edged down between the rocks, took a sight on him, and waited. Whoa. He dismounted and walked toward me, carrying the rifle carelessly. Apparently, he thought he'd dropped me. I let him get within twelve feet. All right, hold it. Drop that rifle. Get your hands up. I said, drop it.
2: What's the idea?
3: Well, that's a good question. Only I'm the one to ask it. The trespasser. We've been losing cattle. So I've heard. What do you mean you've heard? I'm an investigator for the Cattlemen's Association. Are you Walter Gramley? Yeah, that's right. What do you expect to find sneaking in here on foot this way? Not what I did find, at least. Look, I've got a car back there on the road. I ran out of gas. I understand the owner of the Flint Rock is a Mrs. Ezra Gramley. Yeah, she's my aunt. Well, I'd like to see her. I'm afraid that's impossible. Why? What's your name? Dollar, Johnny Dollar? Mr. Dollar, go back to your
2: car and wait. I'll send some gasoline from the house. Huh? When you get it, turn that car around and get off the property. You're working for me, you know. I'm a member of the association. And you know as well as I do that you've got no more authority than any other private individual. So get out and stay out.
3: And if I don't?
2: Well, then you're a trespasser. And I won't miss twice. The next time I'll kill you. Is that clear?
3: It was clear, perfectly clear, and at this point I wasn't ready to force the issue. So I conducted an orderly strategic withdrawal, and short, I went back to the car. The rain stopped before I reached it. And a few minutes later, a station wagon came lumbering down the road from the ranch and brake to a stop a few yards away. The girl who came toward me carrying a five-gallon gasoline can was a living little doll, a daffodil, as perky and bright as a brand-new penny.
4: Hello there. Hi. I'm Susan Gramley, and you're Mr. Dollar, and you're out of gas, and I've got some for you. Well,
3: here, that's pretty heavy. Let me take that. No.
4: Just stand back and avoid the splash. I'm an old hand at this. In fact, I'm a chronic empty tanker myself, and I,
3: I... Uh, what's the matter?
4: Out of gas, are you? Big deal, huh? That tank is almost full.
3: Yeah, well, there's no use lying to you, I suppose.
4: Nope. I'm too smart. I see. Another thing... You're not with the Cattlemen's Association, Mr. Dollar. I'm not? Nope. I think you're here to dig up the past... because of what has happened and what might be going to happen.
3: All of that, huh?
4: Yep. And you know what? I think it's just fine and dandy. You do? You bet I do. I loved my dad. I I loved him more than anything. They knew what he always did when he got mad. Sure they knew... I figured it out a long time ago.
3: Like to tell me about it, Susan?
4: You'll find out, Mr. Dollar. I think you're the kind of a man who smashes into things, right into the middle and breaks them wide open. Be careful, though. Oh? Because you know something? You're smashing into a bomb. (laughs)
1: Here's our star to tell you about
3: tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story Tomorrow, the dead past speaks in a musty morgue, or tries to And a living lady gets cozy, or tries to, really tries to Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar Jonas Parks, Mr. Dollar, the Flint Rock Bank Yeah, I know, the man who warned me How's that? You said it would be tough to get into the Gramley Ranch. Well, I got rained on, shot at, threatened, outsmarted by a sixteen-year-old girl, and I still didn't see Mrs. Gramley. You aiming to give up for the night? Yes. I'm busy trying to dry out my bones over the heat from a triple brandy. Well, I'm going out to see Mrs. Gramley in the morning. I'll try to pick something up. Yeah, do that, will you? And something else, Mr. Parks. That auto accident three years ago when Susan's parents were killed. What about it, Mr. Dollar? You know what about it. I um, the dead past is always with us. You go see Will Connors there in Las Vegas. He runs the Ford County Weekly Tribune. Tell him I sent you. And be careful. Once again, Mr. Parks, careful of what? I still don't know. <laughs> To the Home Office, American Northern Trust Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment: the matter of reasonable doubt. Expense account continued. (laughs) Item four: seven dollars and a quarter. A triple wasn't enough, so I bought the whole bottle and took it up to my room. I was bushed, and not just from being caught out in a desert cloudburst. Mrs. Gramley, elderly widow, owner of the Flint Rock Ranch, wanted to set up an insurance trust and convey all her holdings over to her 16-year-old granddaughter, Susan. Her only other heirs were her nephew, Walter, who managed the ranch, and his wife, Hilda. Jason Parks, my client's local representative and respected president of the Flint Rock Bank, had started proceedings, then got cold feet and dropped them. Why, he didn't know. Just a hunch. Something was wrong. He'd call for help. And I was that help. Total results so far, zero. I put the cork in the brandy bottle and went to bed. I'll be with you in a minute, John fellow. No hurry. The Weekly Tribune, like a thousand other Weekly Tribunes across the country, not competing with the big dailies, not even trying to, printing the little things, homey things, and hanging on. One-man office, editor, publisher, reporter, proofreader, and at the moment, linotype operator. I guess, of course, but the man at the linotype looked as though his name just had to be Will Connors. My name is Will Connors. What can I do for you? I'm Johnny Dollar, Mr. Connors. Jonas Parks out at Flint Rock suggested... Oh, that yeah. yeah. Jonas called me this morning, said you'd probably be in. Glad to know you. Thanks. Same here. He said you'd most likely be asking all sorts of crazy questions. I was to, well... Humor me? Well, you might put it that way. Said I was to answer them if I could. Did Mr. Parks tell you who I am? Nope. Didn't ask him. Jonas and me been friends for 20 years, and if he says you're all right, then that's good enough for me. Well, thanks to both of you. Just one thing, though, Mr. Dollar. There gonna be a story in this? Maybe. Any chance giving me a scoop on it? Scoop? <laughs> I haven't heard that word in years. I ain't had one in years. In fact, I ain't never had one. Always have to get my front page stories by reading these here Las Vegas dailies. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of smart alecks getting telegraphs from Moscow and Paris and France and all them places. Anybody can get scoops that way. But me, I got to get out and scratch for what I print. Well, I'll... Oh, it sure do me good to put one over on them dudes. I'd get me out an extra. A big banner headline on it. Got the type for it, too. Never been used. Exclusive. Right across the top. (laughs) Yeah, that'd knock them back on their byline. All right, Mr. Connors, all right. If there is a story, you get it. That's a promise. A scoop. A living, breathing scoop. Doggone. Yeah. Now about the question. Yes, sir, young fellow, what do you want to know? Anything you can tell me about Mrs. Gramley and the Flint Rock Ranch. Mrs. Gramley? Well, now there is a woman for you, son. They don't make that kind these days. Noticed any change in her lately? Well, I, uh... Wouldn't want this to go any farther. I understand. And I guess it depends on what you mean by lately. I ain't seen her but twice in the last year. They don't allow no visitors out there anymore. So I found out yesterday her nephew took a shot at me with a rifle. You don't say. My, they are getting clannish. Do you know of any reason for him acting that way? Well, there's something funny going on out that ranch. What, for instance? Couldn't say. But like I was telling you, I've only seen her twice, and... She was different somehow. It was like she was, well, breaking up, sort of. Scared of something? Maybe. I don't know. Have a nephew by any chance? Walter? Well, I'd say he acts about as scared as she does, or as upset, at least. Maybe they're both scared of something. What about the granddaughter, Susan? Is she scared, too? No, <laughs> not that one. Oh, she's strange enough, all right. But the old Nick himself wouldn't scare her none. What do you mean, she's strange enough? You met her, Mr. Dollar, for about three minutes yesterday afternoon. That's long enough. How'd she strike you? Well, she's one of the most honest kids I've ever met. Or else the cleverest. Yeah, that's about the size of it. Which do you think? Beats me. I've known her since the day she was born. Yes, sirree, it's quite a family, including that fancy wife of Walters. Hilda, what about her? Well, let's just say she's too much for him. You follow me, son? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, they're all worried. They're on edge. Either about the same thing or different things. They're pushed. They're driven. You can, you can feel it. There's a pressure out there, and anything can happen. Maybe it already has. Hmm? Maybe it happened three years ago. What do you mean? There was an auto accident three years ago, and Mrs. Greenway's son and his wife, Susan's parents, they were killed in it. Well, I've got the morgue files here. I wrote it up pretty complete when it happened. Yeah, I'll want to look through those files later. But right now, you want the story behind the story. If there is one. Well, if there is, I don't know it. I think you would, if anybody would, being a newsman. Well, huh? As far as I know, it was just an accident. Well, how did it happen? Well, it was on the road to the ranch, uh, up there where it winds through the bluffs. It was raining, pitch black. There'd been an argument back at the house. Well, they had a lot of arguments, I guess. But anyway, Hilda got mad and left, took her car and headed for town. And a while afterward, Ed had all he could take, and he ran out too and jumped in his car. Susan tells me that was a habit of her father's whenever he lost his temper in an argument. Yeah. He'd always get in his car and drive like a demon till he got over it. She also made a kind of a strange remark. She said they knew about it. Now, what do you mean by that? I guess you'll have to ask Susan what she meant. All right. So, Ed jumped in his car that night. Yeah, and Mary went with him. uh, Trying to calm him down, I guess. Oh, he. He come around that curve, he must have been doing 60, skidding, half out of control. And there was Hilda's car parked on the curve right square in his headlights. Just smashed right into it at full speed. Both cars rolled over the bank, caught fire, and burned up. Him and Mary were dead before the car stopped. How did Hilda get out of it? She wasn't there. He had a flat, left her car parked, and started back on foot. I see. He was lucky, that's all. She sure was, Mr. Connors. Real lucky. I took a bag file at the Tribune into the outer office and went over the news stories on the deaths of Ed Greenlee and his wife. I found nothing that Will Connors hadn't already told me. Shocking loss, fine people, sudden accidents. I kept hanging up on that word, accidents. I kept wanting to put a question mark after it. I was so absorbed, I didn't even notice her come in until she spoke to me.
4: Hello, Mr. Dollar.
3: Well... Well, are you following me, Susan?
4: Nope. Got some copy for Mr. Connors. I write articles for him sometimes. You you know, clever kid and all that sort of... Hmm, I see you took me seriously. How do you figure? You didn't close that paper fast enough. Now, why would an investigator from the Cattlemen's Association be interested in an auto accident three years back?
3: Uh, suppose you tell me.
4: Because you're not an investigator for the Cattlemen's Association. Who are you, Mr. Dollar?
3: <laughs> I've got half a notion to level with you, Susan.
4: Then I'll go the other half by leveling with you. Aunt Hilda called the association office in Reno this morning. They said they never heard of you. Imagine that. Mr. Parks was out at the ranch just before I left. She asked him about you, too. He said he'd never seen or heard of you. I see. He was lying, though. I can always tell when people are lying, and they know it, too. That's why they're uncomfortable around me.
3: Yeah, I uh, I know what you mean. Hey, look, Susan. Did Mr. Parks talk to your grandmother? No. He was supposed to arrange for me to see her.
4: About the accident?
3: Maybe. I'm not sure yet. I'm shooting in the dark.
4: Oh, it's time somebody did. Where are you staying, Mr. Dollar?
3: At the Carmen Manor.
4: Okay. Uh, I'll get it set up and call you there later.
3: Get it set up?
4: Sure. Fix things so that you can get in to see my grandmother. That's what you wanted, doesn't it? Well, all right.
3: I went back to my hotel room and settled down to wait. If a sixteen year old kid could manage what a bank president couldn't, then me for the juvenile league. What happened a couple of hours later, though, wasn't exactly juvenile. Yeah, come in. Hello. Well.
5: Oh. You busy, Mr. Dollar?
3: Not too busy. Come in. Thanks. I don't believe I'm I... i uh, Hilda
5: Grimley. I imagine you've heard of me during your cattle investigation. Well,
3: somehow you don't seem to fit with cattle.
5: <laughs> A compliment? Observation. What do I fit with? I don't know yet, Mrs. Grimley. Hilda. Hmm.
3: Now I'm beginning to know. Cigarette?
5: Thanks. I'll stick with my own brand.
3: It usually works out better that way. Thanks. Nice cigarette case.
5: Gift. I'm always getting gifts.
3: Including a wedding ring?
5: Oh, I've got one. It's around someplace.
3: Just so you don't forget where you left it.
5: I couldn't if I wanted to. Uh, you wouldn't have a drink for a lady, would you? Brandy. I love brandy. And gifts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other things. Like money? Oh, money's real nice. It's next to the best.
3: Now what's the best?
5: Excitement. I see. Don't you think it's best? Well, it
3: depends. At least you're in the right spot for
5: it. I hope so.
3: Look. I haven't got any money. And I never give gifts.
5: You've got brandy though. Pour us a drink, Johnny. And then we'll talk. What about? Hmm. Excitement.
1: Now, here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's
3: intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, a worried old lady shows her medal, a gambler shows his hand, and the game gets tense, tight, and a little bit frightening. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
1: From Hollywood, it's time now for...
3: Johnny Dollar. This is Susan Grainley, Mr. Dollar. Oh, yes. Uh, how are you, Mr. Wilson?
4: Mr. Wil there with you?
3: Yes, that's entirely correct.
4: Well, just listen, then. It's all fixed, Mr. Dollar. Grandmother's expecting you. She'll be alone for the next few hours, so come on out to the ranch.
3: You're certain of that statement, I suppose?
4: Yes, of course. Uncle Walter went into Vegas, and Aunt Hilda's gone somewhere, too. Yes,
3: I'm quite aware of that.
4: You mean she's there? With you? That's right. Oh, Mr. Dollar, you men are all alike, aren't you?
3: That's quite a remark for a Person, your age, Mr. Wilson.
4: Oh, I'm quite mature for 16. Has she made her pitch yet?
3: I think we'd better postpone this discussion until the next time we meet.
4: Well, she always does, you know. She's a regular vampire. I think your Uncle Walter's going to kill her someday.
3: Mr. Wilson. Yes, sir. Goodbye. To the home office, Amarcon Northern Trust Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the matter of reasonable doubt. Expense account continued. (laughs) Item nine, a half a buck. tip to the hotel bell captain to call a taxi for Hilda Gramley ...and to wave goodbye to her as she drove away. I do not include the six brandies she guzzled. Those are on me. Of course, she had knocked on my door uninvited, so that made it her party... But still, it was my room, so that made her my guest, so... Ah, forget it. The whole thing left me too confused to itemize it. She'd obviously come on a fishing expedition. The fish, information. Bait, the usual, but nicely designed. Results, none on either side. What had started out as a trust case had turned into a snipe hunt. I was in over my head, floundering, and I needed some good, buoyant answers. I was hoping Mrs. Grainley herself could supply a few of them.
6: I'm very glad to meet you, Mr. Dollar. Sit down.
3: She wasn't young, and she wasn't beautiful anymore, but she had been once. She still had some of that assurance and authority that beauty always gives a woman. She seemed a little uncertain, a little harried, maybe, but underneath it, just as tough as an old field boot.
6: I think you'd better leave us alone now, Susan.
4: Okay, Gran. If she starts using her brass knucks, give a whistle, Mr. Dollar. I'll rush in and save you. Thanks,
3: I'll remember
6: Oh, she's a brash little flippity gibbet,
3: And you love the dickens out of her, don't you?
6: Love? (laughs) Yes, I do love the dickens out of her, Mr. Dollar. Is that what you came out here to find out?
3: No, I knew that already. Otherwise, you wouldn't have wanted to transfer all your holdings to her.
6: How did you know about that? Just who the devil are you anyway? Seems to me Susan was pretty vague on that score.
3: She had to be. She doesn't know.
6: Then why did she think I ought to see you?
3: Oh, she decided I looked honest. Claims she's got a knack for that sort of thing.
6: As a matter of fact, she has. And
3: also, she loved her father and mother.
6: What do you mean by that?
3: Mrs. Gramley? I'm here because your friend, Jonas Parks, of the Flint Rock Bank, sent for me. What? I'm a special investigator for the Amicron Northern Trust Company of Hartford, Connecticut.
6: Why, Jonas didn't say anything to me. He hasn't
3: had a chance. He intended to when he was here this afternoon, but you were too ill to see him.
6: Ill? I didn't even know he was here.
3: Your nephew and his wife did. He talked to them.
6: Tell me, Mr. Dollar, just why did Jonas send for you?
3: Because he thought you might be losing your mind.
6: Oh, he did, did he? Are you? Well, if you thought so, you wouldn't have said it so bluntly.
3: Right. I don't think so.
6: Well, what made Jonas think it?
3: You asked him to set up an insurance trust... for the benefit of your granddaughter, Susan... Apparently, the intent was to convey your entire estate to her over a period of two to three years.
6: What's so crazy about that?
3: Nothing at all, so far as that part of it was concerned. But it didn't stop there. After he got the proceedings started, you turned skittish on him, started to flutter.
6: Well, Jonas is a fool.
3: He is not a fool, and you know it. He's been your friend for 20 years. He's completely trustworthy, conscientious, and he has your best interests at heart.
6: How much is he paying you to say things like that?
3: Nobody is paying me but the Amicon Trust Company, and furthermore, you know it. All you're doing is trying to dodge the issue.
6: Young man, I'm not accustomed to being talked to this way.
3: Then you're going to look at it as a refreshingly novel experience.
6: You sound like Susan.
3: And an experience you don't entirely dislike. Presumptuous whelp. Maybe.
6: Are you married, Mr. Dollar? No. What a pity I'm not 30 years younger.
3: (laughs) What a pity I'm not 30 years older.
6: Oh, thank you, sir.
3: And now let's stop scratching each other's backs and get to the point.
6: All right. Jonas is a fine man. No doubt he did have reason to get upset. These past months have been well, I suppose I haven't seemed like myself at all. Why is that? Oh, you're like a bulldog with a bone, Mr. Dollar.
3: Careful how you talk about your might have been lover. What has been wrong these past months?
6: Maybe I am losing my mind because actually, nothing has been wrong.
3: I don't agree. I think something is wrong right now.
6: Then why don't you tell me about it?
3: All right, all right, I will. Apparently, I'll have to if we ever expect to get anywhere. All right, some months ago, you stopped going into town, stopped having visitors. Then you decided to get rid of your estate, turned it over to Susan. When your nephew, Walter, heard about it, he implied to Jonas Parks that you were losing your mind. Then you yourself started to back down on the idea. Why? Was Walter putting pressure on you?
6: Not exactly.
3: What were you scared of, Mrs. Gramley? It's got something to do with Walter and Hilda, right?
6: Sit down. Almost a year ago, I discovered that the two of them were stealing me blind. Tampering with the ranch accounts, forging signatures, all sorts of ways.
3: Why didn't you take it to Jonas or to the police?
6: Because I didn't believe it at first. By the time I was absolutely sure they'd cut the ground out from under me.
3: So you tried to convey the property to Susan secretly?
6: Yes. Until Walter learned what I was doing.
3: Who's the push in that pair? Who's got the brains?
6: Why, she has. Walter doesn't even have the gumption to get in out of the rain on his own.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Then she must have been the one who planned the auto accident. And he went along with it, of course.
6: What auto accident?
3: Three years ago, when your son and his wife were killed on the road to... Oh, I'm... I'm sorry, Mrs. Gramley. I, I supposed you'd already guessed it.
6: Guessed what?
3: That it was probably murder. An old lady, tired and lost, seeing herself surrounded by enemies, living in fear. But she at least knew one thing, that she wasn't alone now, that somebody else believed her and was on her side.
4: Her, Mr. Dollar. She'll be all right.
3: Well, she had quite a shock, Susan.
4: She had to know sometime.
3: Oh, it's not a matter of no, exactly. It's it's only suspicion.
4: All right, you go to your church and I'll go to mine. But I know Walter and Hilda murder my parents. And I think you know it too. Well,
3: call it a real strong suspicion, then.
4: So what are you gonna do about it?
3: What do you suggest I do about it?
4: Advise my elders? I'm only a helpless young female.
3: You're about as helpless as a mongoose with a cobra. Flattery. No, just a statement of fact. Say, look, what do you think they've been doing with the money they've cheated your grandmother out
4: of? Oh, that's easy. Uncle Walter gambles. And gambles and gambles. And
3: loses and loses?
4: Uh-huh. He's not real bright, you know.
3: Well, why does he do this? Different joints in Vegas?
4: Oh, just one, mostly. A club called the Lead Balloon, and the name Figures.
3: Any special reason he hits that particular club?
4: I think it's the only one that'll take his IOUs. The owner came out here to collect a couple of times.
3: Happen to know his name?
4: Sure, I got big ears. His name is Deuce McCoy.
3: Deuce McCoy, the lead balloon.
4: And the rest of the dough, Hilda. She's what's known as a luxury dame, Mr. Dollar.
3: Yeah, so I gathered.
4: I'll bet gathered. Oh, relax, you gathered. All right,
3: relax, week, I'll send you out of the room. Yes, sir. Does she run around with other men?
4: Oh, Mr. Dollar.
3: All right, then. Do you happen to know any of them?
4: Nope. I've managed not to, but it hasn't been easy.
3: One or two, or does she play the field?
4: I wouldn't know, but she's always getting gifts from somebody. Oh, she's a real cool operator. But, of course, you know that, since you've been one of her victims. How would you like
3: to get spanked?
4: I don't know. I've never been. But I can quote you all kinds of psychology about it. Take for instance... Never mind.
3: Good night. (laughs) Your name McCoy? Deuce McCoy? Yeah, that's right. Johnny Dollar. I'd like to talk to you about a mutual acquaintance. What mutual acquaintance? Walter Gramley. He's across the room there at the moment, bucking one of your craft tables. Come on in, Dollar. Thanks. All right, now, what about Gramley? How much is he into you? Nobody gets into me. You've been taking his IOUs, haven't you? He buys them off. Holding any now? Look, but what, what's the pitch? I huh? what racket are you in? Insurance. What's that got to do with Gramley? I don't think he's a very good risk. Mm-hmm. Meaning? He's probably going to be doing time for embezzlement before long. Okay, so why, why are you telling me about this? Well, I thought you might be interested since you've been taking his IOUs. Oh, big-hearted, is that it? You're just being neighborly? You, know? you might put it that way. and yeah, I might not. Now, what, what is your angle? Is Grimley a personal friend of yours? No more than any other sucker out there at the tables. Then you wouldn't know where he gets the money he loses. Well, that I never ask. And I don't suppose you'd know his wife. Oh, he's married, is he? Her name is Hilda. She likes gifts. And brandy... And money and excitement. Then I hope she manages to find him. Whoever she is. Oh, she does, one way or another.
5: Well, we all got our problems, Dollar.
3: Yeah, yeah, but some of us more than the others. Right, McCoy? Mm-hmm. You through speaking your piece now? Huh? Not another word to say. Well, and I don't, I don't want to rush you, but... Yeah, hey, that's a nice cigarette case. Platinum, isn't it? Well, I wouldn't know. It's not yours? Somebody left it at the table. Somebody, huh? Then you don't know who it belongs to. If I did, I'd give it back. Then I'll save you some trouble, Mr. McCoy. I do know who it belongs to. What makes you think so? Because I saw it earlier today. It belongs to Hilda (laughs) Gramley.
1: Here's our star to tell you about tomorrow's intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow,
3: the pressure hits the top and the whole mess starts to crack. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From
1: Hollywood, it's time now for...
3: Johnny Dollar. You're there. Sure I'm here.
4: What? I, I mean, it's your hotel. Is this Susan? That's right. Why aren't you out there, Mr. Dollar? Out Where? On the old boulder cutoff. If I'm supposed to meet you there in 15 minutes, you're going to have to... Wait a
3: minute, wait a minute. What the devil is this all about? Where'd you get any idea I was supposed to meet you? From your friend. What?
4: Sure, he phoned here a few minutes ago. He said I should slip away from the ranch, take the station wagon, and meet you over on the old road right away. I just phoned your hotel on the off chance that... Wait,
3: I don't imagine he gave his name. No, and, and I didn't recognize the voice. Susan, listen. Get away from there right away. Don't go near that road. Come straight here to my hotel. Do you understand?
4: Yes, but. But why? What's it all about? Never
3: mind. Just get here and get here fast while you're still alive.
1: Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly,
3: Johnny Dollar. From Special Investigator Johnny Dollar, location Las Vegas, Nevada, to the home office, Amicon Northern Trust Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, The Matter of Reasonable Doubt. It was only 9.30 p.m., less than two hours since I'd thrown my rock into the pool to stir up the fish. I'd expected results, sure, but not this fast and not this Deadly. I'd picked a gambling casino owner named Deuce McCoy as my broadcaster. And I'd let him know who I was, why I was here, and what I was going to do. Apparently, the news had gone out fast. But I couldn't figure this move. Even with young Susan out of the way, they still couldn't get their hands on her grandmother's estate. It didn't make sense. At least, not right then. One thing, though, that I was sure of if Susan Gramley had driven out that deserted road alone, she'd have never come back. Not alive. Who is it?
4: It's me, Mr. Dollar.
3: All right, just a second. Well, come on in, Susan.
4: Thanks. I guess it's really it's I, though. I, I mean to be correct. I don't
3: care whether it's I or me, just as long as it's you. Say that again? Oh, skip it. You have any trouble?
4: I missed the green light at Fremont and Fifth.
3: Anybody follow you from the ranch?
4: Nope.
3: Who was there when you left?
4: All of them. Uncle Walter and Hilda had just come in, together. Can you beat it?
3: Well, then it wouldn't have been Walter who phoned you.
4: Oh, not him. He's got a kind of a sneaky undertone. I'd have recognized him right away.
3: And you didn't recognize the voice on the phone?
4: No, he he didn't say much. Just that he was a friend of yours, and you wanted me to reach meet you right away, so I said okay, and he hung up. I see. Well, maybe you do, but I don't. Well, what did you mean when you said, get here while you're still alive?
3: I wish I knew. Look, Susan... That phone call wasn't just a practical joke.
4: Then you do know.
3: I know somebody was trying to get you out on that desert alone tonight, and they weren't trying it just for laughs. You mean that? They... I mean the luckiest thing you ever did was to pick up that phone and call this hotel.
4: But why, Mr. Dollar? Why would anybody want... That's what
3: I don't know. I don't see what they'd hope to gain by it. They know the trust hasn't been set up yet. Your grandmother's still in control of the property, not you.
4: Look, I- excuse my ignorance, but... I don't think I know what you're talking about.
3: Well, maybe it's time you did, since you seem to be right in the middle of it now. Look, your grandmother decided to set up an insurance trust and convey all her holdings over to you.
4: To me? Gran was gonna do that.
3: Jonas Parks at the Flint Rock Bank started proceedings, then got cold feet. He got the idea there was something screwy behind the whole thing. So he wired Hartford, and the trust company sent me out here to investigate.
4: But Gran never said a word. She didn't even mention it.
3: She was scared to death. Afraid Walter and Hilda would find out and block her off. Have her declared incompetent. Get control of the estate and leave you clear out in the cold. She thinks a lot of you, Susan.
4: Grand's the most, isn't she?
3: How did she seem when you left? Back on her feet?
4: Oh, better than she's been in months. More relaxed. I guess she's counting on you, Mr. Dollar.
3: Yeah, well, I wish I could be sure she could. not
4: Look, that phone call I got... If Uncle Walter and Hilda weren't behind it, then, then who was?
3: Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty certain that by now they know who I am and why I'm here. And they know I'm out to get them. I dropped the word a couple of hours ago. I figured they'd react all right, but I didn't expect this move against you.
4: But there has to be somebody else in on it, Mr. Dollar. Neither of them made the phone call. Yeah, I know. But nobody else even knew about the trust.
3: Jonas Parks did, and Will Connors of the Weekly Tribune.
4: But they've been friends of Gran's for years and years. They wouldn't do anything to harm her. I
3: didn't say they would.
4: And they couldn't have had anything to do with the accident that killed my parents. Nobody could have, except Hilda and Uncle Walter.
3: Unless, of course, it was just an accident.
4: Oh, you know better than that, Mr. Dollar.
3: Oh, I'm beginning to wonder if I actually know very much about any of this. Susan, listen. How scared are you?
4: Oh, I'm not scared at all. I'm I'm just... Bewildered, I guess. Good.
3: Then you won't be afraid to stay here alone for a while.
4: Of course not. Sounds kind of grown up, in fact.
3: Yeah, well, all right, then. Don't leave the room. Keep the door locked and don't let anybody in. If someone should try, call the manager and have him call the police. Don't answer the phone unless it rings twice. That'll be me. Got it? Got it. Good. Hey, there are a couple of magazines there on the nightstand.
4: Can I ask you what you're going to do, Mr. Dollar?
3: Sure, you can ask. See you later, Susan.
4: Stinker. (laughs)
3: young fella, I was kind of hoping you'd drop around. Wasn't sure I'd find you here, Mr. Connors, this time of night. Oh, the paper comes out tomorrow, Mr. Dollar. Oh, sorry, I didn't know. I always stay around late the night before press day, just in case a big story breaks. Sure. Got to be here, you know, to break down the front page and remake the galley and all. Them's technical terms, of course. Oh, I see. Yeah, I was kind of hoping you might have a story for me But now. Maybe that scoop we was talking about? Nope, not yet. Well, I can hold the press until 9.30 a.m. in the morning, but that's the last doggone final zero hour. And a minute later, come calamity, cataclysm, or high water, the Tribune has got to roll. Yeah, sure. Well, maybe you'll have your scoop before 9.30, Mr. Connors. You mean you're working on a clue? Check. Hot dog. Yep, you said it. You uh, getting close to the denouement? To the what? The Denouement. That's a technical word. That's when the detective always pounces. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm not about to pounce at the moment, Mr. Connery. Yeah, well, keep your voice down, son. Why? There's nobody else here. You never know on this kind of a case. Well, let's take a chance. All right. I'm game if you are. Good. I've got a couple of questions I'd like to ask you. Shoot, son. you know anything about a gambler named Deuce McCoy... Owns the Lead Balloon Casino over across town. Well, I know who he is, all right. He don't own it, though. He just runs it for a syndicate. Works on a salary, you mean? Mm, Salary and percentage, I reckon. He ain't getting rich on it, though. Not the way he lets it get away from him. On what? Just two words, son. Women. Hilda Gramley wouldn't be one of them, would she? Well, it's a new one on me if she is. Of course, you live and learn. Yeah, you sure do. Yeah, and be right cozy if something like that was going on. Her husband spends half his time in McCoy's place. Yeah, no? You uh, figure Deuce McCoy's tied in on this Gramley thing? I don't know. You want to do me a favor, Mr. Connors? Well, just sing it out, young fellow, with a scoop. Well, listen. Young Susan Gramley is in my room over at the hotel. You don't say so. Well, but. Never she... mind. It's a long story. I hate to have her there alone. So, how about going over and babysitting for a while? Hmm, sure. I'd be glad to. All right, I'll phone her first so she won't lay you out with an ashtray. And I'll keep in touch with you. If there's a story, you'll get it. Meanwhile, clam up. Right. I'll see you later. Yeah, do you uh, pack a gun, Mr. Dollar? Sometimes. Why? Deuce McCoy does, too. All the time. The evening was just starting in the lead balloon, with two crab tables already in action, two more standing by, and a roulette wheel warming up. No one paid any attention when I walked back through the casino to the office. I waited what I considered a reasonable length of time, then tried the knob. The door was unlocked.
0: Gone, Buster. Beat it.
3: The girl was alone in the office, sprawled back on the sofa, drinking her hand. And it was pretty obvious it wasn't her first one, nor her second or third. She'd have been a real knockout, sober.
0: Smelly, don't you understand English? I said, get out. Where's McCoy? What's it to you?
3: <laughs> Feeling no pain, huh?
0: Well, cut it, buster.
3: Must have been a pretty big pain, though, earlier. If it's taken this one, to kill it.
0: Go on and get out of here. What do you think you are to talk like that? Johnny Dollar, who are you? Get away from that desk. If Deuce finds you messing around in here, he'll kill you.
3: Even if I told him I was a close friend of yours?
0: You rat... I'll call one of the boys and get you thrown out of here.
3: Oh, I wouldn't. Might make an awful scandal. And I don't think Deuce would want that. Not right at present.
0: What are you talking about? Oh, come now.
3: You're in it too, aren't you?
0: You're, well, no, you're not with the police. I know them all. You're FBI. Oh, what makes you say that? Look, if Deuce is in a jam, I don't know anything about it. What's your name? Nikki. Nicky. Nikki Vernon. All
3: right, Nikki, sit down and relax.
0: Oh. Whoops.
3: Now, where's Deuce McCoy?
0: I think if I knew, I'd be sitting here by myself, lushing it up?
3: I suppose you were McCoy's girl before Hilda Gramley cut you out.
0: Cut me out, nothing. That rotten little sneak's been asking for it, and I'm about ready to give it to Was her, too. Is she here this evening? You see any blood on the rug? Just let me catch that dirty Shut little. Shut up, Nikki,
3: and sit down, will you? Now, what about Walter Gramley? Was he here?
0: Yeah, earlier. He was here in the office for about an hour. I don't know what they talked about. Deuce made me get out.
3: And Deuce left right afterwards?
0: Well, half an hour or so. He had to wait to make a phone call first.
3: I see. Well, if you're smart, you'll forget him, Nikki. I've got a hunch he's not coming back.
0: It's her. He's gonna go off with that dirty... Knock
3: it. He's going off because he's in a jam. That's one thing you were right about. And by now, he must know the whole thing is falling apart. I think he'll try to run for it. I
0: ought to kill that dame. Why?
3: Why don't you throw away that bottle and forget about him? He's no good, Nicky. You know that, don't you? Sure, I know it. Then why are you beating your heart out over him?
0: (laughs) You've never been a woman. Have you, Mr. Dollar?
1: Now, here's our star to tell you
3: about the final intriguing episode of this week's story. Tomorrow, I tag the pitch too late and a runner gets home. The score, one to nothing in favor of death. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar.
6: This is Mrs. Gramley, Mr. Dollar. Oh, good. I understand you were trying to reach
3: me. I just told your nephew, Walter, that if he didn't have you on this phone within three minutes, I'd be out there at the ranch with a posse of police.
6: Oh, I'm afraid there's some mistake, Mr. Dollar. You see, I... I told Walter I didn't wish to talk with you. You what? I admire your persistence, young man, but...
3: Are you saying this of your own free will? You're not being forced?
6: How ridiculous.
3: Who's there with you?
6: Just my nephew, Walter, and his wife, Hilda. I'm
3: coming out there, Mrs. Gramley.
6: Mr. Dollar... You were sent out here from Hartford to investigate an insurance trust I was arranging for my granddaughter. Well, I've decided not to set up the trust so there's no further reason to involve yourself in my affairs. Good night, Mr. Dollar.
0: Hello. Hello. What have you got cooking with the Gramleys anyway, Mr.
3: Shut up, Nicky. Let me think.
1: Tonight...
3: To the home office, Amicon Northern Trust Company, Hartford, Connecticut. Assignment, the matter of reasonable doubt. Expense account, final page. Mm -hmm. Item 12, 75 cents. I had a pint of black coffee sent in for Nikki Vernon, girlfriend of missing casino operator Deuce McCoy. She'd been overworking a bottle of scotch, and I figured the coffee would help clear the fumes. And it might have, if she'd drunk it.
0: No, take it away. I don't want any coffee.
3: I couldn't figure that phone call from Mrs. Gramley. She knew her nephew and his wife had been stealing from her. That's why she'd started to set up the trust to save the estate from them and turn it over to a young granddaughter, Susan. And she knew also, I told her, that Walter and his wife had probably contrived the auto accident that had killed Susan's parents. And yet now she seemed to have reversed her whole attitude. Maybe Jonas Parks had been right. Maybe there was a reasonable doubt as to her sanity. Uh, maybe a lot of things... But all of the answers were out there at that ranch.
0: She's to blame for it. Things were all right with Deuce and me she came messing around.
3: If it hadn't been Hilda, it would have been somebody else. The
0: whole lot you know about
3: it. Oh, why don't you drink some of that coffee, Nicky?
0: I don't want any coffee.
3: Okay, okay, suit yourself. Go ahead and enjoy your broken heart, then. Kill the rest of that bottle, if that's what you want. Cry up a storm, live it up, wallow in it.
0: I'll get that dame. It's the last thing I ever do. For
3: what? You ought to thank her for getting that rat off your neck.
0: What'd you have to turn him in for? Deuce never did anything to you. He never had the chance. Oh, what's he supposed to have done that's so horrible? It's
3: more what he tried to do. Oh, sure. You happen to know young Susan Grimley?
0: Yeah, I've seen the kid. Why?
3: Well, your lover boy phoned her out at the ranch earlier this evening, disguised his voice, said he was a friend of mine. He tried to get her to meet him on the old Boulder Cutoff out in the middle of the desert. If
0: you think Deuce would try to date up a 16-year-old kid... You're crazy.
3: Nikki, I think he was going to kill a 16 year old kid.
0: It's her fault. Hilda Gramley. She and her sneaky little hen husband got deuce mixed up in something.
3: I don't imagine he was very hard to mix. That
0: dame's been asking for it for a long yeah, time. Yeah,
3: I know, and you're about ready to give it to her. Well, forget it. Sober up. Find the nearest exit. And then run like the devil.
0: I want deuce. Go so
3: to the police. And they're the ones who are going to get him. They're covering the airport now, the depot, all the highways. Vegas is a tough town to get away from. He hasn't got a chance.
0: It's just as much your husband's fault. Why didn't he keep her at home? Why didn't he... Oh,
3: for the love of... You keep on playing that same old record, you're going to wear a groove right through your brain. Maybe so. Now, look, I got things to do. Are you going to be all right here alone?
0: Well, I'm just fine. I never felt better in my life.
3: Then you've already got it halfway made. So why don't you double up and get even? Try some of that coffee.
0: You're a real busy guy, Mister Dollar. You put the finger on a man with one hand, and at the same time you try to sober up his girl with the other.
3: Sure, and if I had a broom, I'd sweep the office.
0: Mother, well, why don't you go be busy someplace else?
3: That's exactly the idea. All right, kid, you're on your own. Good luck, Nicky.
0: Good luck. Huh. What do you care what kind of luck I have?
3: Oh, I don't know. I picked up my car and drove out across the desert toward the Flintrock Rock Ranch. I couldn't quite imagine Mrs. Gramley being intimidated. The idea of Walter and Hilda standing over her, holding a gun at her head and making her say things against her will was pretty unbelievable. Faced with a threat like that, she'd probably say, shoot and be blasted. It just didn't make sense. Apparently, she really had reversed her field, but I had to hear it from her face to face. Who is it? Johnny Dollar. Open up. I said open up. What's the
2: idea? Mrs. Gramley
3: told you to stay away from here, didn't she? I don't know. There was static in the phone. I want to hear her say it again. What do mind you think you're doing? coming in. All right, Walter, let's go talk to Mrs. Gramley. Look, Dollar, you haven't got that much weight to throw around. Suppose we get it straight right now and save a lot of time. I came out here to talk to Mrs. Gramley, and I'm going to talk to her. Now, if you want to go at it bare-knuckle, let's get started. Or if you're thinking of that gun routine again, go ahead and pull it. I'm packing one myself. And if you're not going to make any kind of a move, then you just stand right there with your face hanging out while I go on What's in and going talk.
6: going on in here, Walter?
3: Good evening, Mrs. Gramley. Dollar won't take no for an answer. He just forced his way in. I'm glad to find you looking so well.
6: I thought I'd made myself clear on the phone, Mr. Dollar.
3: Really? Come on, let's go on into the living room where we can all be more comfortable.
6: Come back here. I must insist that you leave at once.
5: Who was it at the door? What are you doing here?
3: Well, if it isn't Hilda, the lovely lady who likes money, gifts, and excitement. Fine, fine. That's why I came out, to stir up a little excitement.
6: I think you're taking a good deal upon yourself, Mr. Dollar. You
3: know, I'm a little surprised at you, Mrs. Gramley. I thought you wanted me to follow the case through.
6: There is no case.
3: Oh, since when? You heard what she said. That's what you came for. All right, now beat it. Sit down, Walter. Mrs. Gramley, are you telling me you're going to drop this whole thing, let this pair here edge you out and Susan along with you and take the whole estate? You
6: can put any interpretation on it you like, just as long as you leave this house at once and please don't come back. You have no right to interfere.
3: And what about your son and his wife? Have you forgotten that those two leeches there killed them?
6: You're out of your mind. Am I?
3: What do you think, Mrs. Gramley? Am I out of my mind?
6: I'm. I'm afraid you are. My son and his wife were killed in an automobile accident. A terrible tragedy, but unavoidable.
3: Sure, it was. After Walter and Hilda here set it up.
6: Will you please leave now?
3: Have they threatened you? Is that it? Are you scared to talk? because if you are speak up i imagine i can handle them
6: you're being quite ridiculous mr dollar will you now go please it
3: beats me it really does if i hadn't i'll answer hello who if that's for me you better let me take it they know i'm here
2: all right take it nobody's stopping you
3: it was will connors on the phone he'd been keeping in close touch with the police and he was calling to tell me what had happened Deuce McCoy had been arrested. He'd been picked up at the airport trying to board a plane and was being taken to the city jail. I hung up the phone and told the three of them what Will had said. That touched off the fuse.
5: Arrested? Deuce has been arrested? At the
3: airport? I don't get it. But you will get it, Walter. Deuce will talk. He'll spill the whole thing. And I think we'll be able to make a case against you and Hilda even without Mrs. Grainley's testimony.
6: Susan, was she with him? Is she all right?
3: Mrs. Gramley? Susan has been in my hotel room with Will Connors for the last... So that was the hole they had over you.
6: They told me this man Deuce had phoned her and tricked her into meeting him.
3: Susan doesn't trick so easy. She called me Get and I... Get your hands up, Dollar. Oh, now, it's a little late for a gun, Walter. You won't find it any easier to run than Deuce did.
5: He's right, Walter. Let me think. There must be Let some Let way... you
3: think... That's what I've
2: been doing for the last ten years, and you thought us right into this. Walter. The airport. You know what he was doing? He was running out. The kid didn't show. He knew something had gone wrong, and he was taking a powder and not even telling me.
5: There's no time now to... Left us
2: here holding the bag, and now you say, let me think. Why didn't you think before? It was your idea, cutting him in on this.
0: Oh, she's got a lot of cute ideas. Nicky. She's a real little
3: brain. What the devil are you doing here?
0: Slumming, Mr. Dollar. The door was open, so I walked in. You mind?
3: Look, whoever
2: you are. Look what,
0: sucker? I've seen guns before. Why didn't she use it on them? When they were playing you for their number one patsy.
2: What are you talking about?
0: Deuce McCoy. And that little sneak you're married to there. You mean you still don't know? Sly, Walter. Don't you wish I was? They had you right in the middle, sucker. Deuce was taking it away from me on the tables, and little Hilde was getting it back from him after hours. I'll bet they got a lot of laughs out of it.
3: Better hand over that gun, Walter.
2: It's true, isn't it, Hilda?
0: Of course not.
2: Take a gun to him, huh? Well, maybe it's not too late.
5: Walter, what are you going to do?
3: Give me the gun, Walter.
2: Sure. Sure. Why not? I don't need it now.
0: He killed her. His own wife. stood right there and shot her down in cold blood. Did you
3: call the police, Mrs. Graham?
2: Yeah, tell them to hurry right out. They can take me in on a real charge now.
0: I didn't mean for her to get killed.
2: You know something, Dollar? No. Suppose you tell me. That's the first big move I've made in the last ten years.
3: That Hilda didn't plan. Expense account item 14, $305.20. Hotel and incidentals in Las Vegas and transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $596.45. End of account. Remarks?
0: Well. I can't figure out why she had to go messing around that way when she already had a man of her own, her husband. Of course it didn't amount to much, but not many men do. What you expect to find in this world? Pearls and all her oysters? A turkey in her soup?
3: Well, that was Nicky, and that's the report. And that's life. Come to think of it, though, what isn't? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.